Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. And basically every lesson he'd put another four bars into the tab for. Yeah. Right. And I'd go yeah. in and it was brilliant. But at the end of every lesson he was like, Do you wanna hear me play? <laughs> you know, and he'd plug his he'd plug his like he had this Ibanez guitar, you know, proper shredders guitar. And actually I guess you can't do this anymore, but he'd like he'd make he'd roll him roll himself a cigarette and he'd have the cigarette in his mouth and he'd be doing something like tapping everywhere and shredding. Or the next week he might do something seriously jazzy. He was an incredible, incredible incredibly proficient guitarist. Greetings, Guitar Smarts listeners. Thanks for joining us for yet another podcast. Hope you're all well. Kieran and I have been discussing practice and what it means to us to sit down and practice guitar, whether that's learning theory, whether that's reading, listening to music and trying to play along with things, how we feel about our abilities and, and how we can get better. Um, and it was a really good conversation because I think we both came out of it quite motivated to go away and, and improve what we do to practice and to get better at playing guitar. Come and like us on our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook at facebook forward slash guitar smarts. Or you can come and say hello to us on Instagram as well. Our handle on Instagram is at guitar underscore smarts. If you want to come to our social media pages and ask us a question about something or maybe comment on something that you've heard or correct something that we've said wrong or, or anything at all, we really want to interact with our listeners and uh, we'd love to know where you're from and how you're enjoying the show. Uh, so come on over to our pages and say hello. Anyway, let's get to it. How are you doing, Kieran? You all right? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited by our agenda this week because I think I've got a lot to learn and I think it will inspire me to do some stuff differently over the next kind of few days and weeks. So it's not an area that I'm, I'm particularly an expert in. If we were having a chat about setting the saddle radius on a, on a Fender guitar, I'd be like, right, straight in. I know exactly how to advise our listeners. But this topic we've got today is, is a really subjective kind of no particular approach is right kind of discussion so I think it's going to be really interesting to, to get your views my views and then hear from kind of our listeners on how they approached this subject that we've chosen today which is practicing guitar well how do you practice does anybody ever really learn how to practice because it is a separate thing often by itself isn't it I, I for one practice when I when I need to for example if I've got a gig I've got to learn some songs 
maybe that song has got a guitar solo in it. I tend to practice to achieve my ability to play that song. But if you're just practicing for the sake of the betterment of areas of your technique, how do you do that? It's a tricky subject. I remember when I was first starting guitar as a kid, I probably had a much better practice regime or approach to practice when I didn't really know very much because I was having a little bit of lessons with a guitar teacher, but I was at the very beginning of a, a really exciting journey. And, you know, when you're, when you're starting out, of course, it's a struggle and there's so much you don't know. So you're keen and you're, and you're hungry to keep learning and keep learning. And, and guitar is one of those wonderful instruments where you can make quite a bit of progress in a relatively short space of time. So you keep getting this kind of positive reward and feedback mechanism going, okay, what, what shall I practice le- next? Or what can I learn next? So I kind of miss those days in, in, in some way. That's not to say that by any stretch of the imagination do I feel that I've uh, mastered the guitar and don't need to practice. But I think you reach a point where as a kind of competent gigging guitarist, practice then starts to become when you need to work new songs into a set list or where you need to kind of learn new arrangements. And I, I miss carving out time to just sit down and work on technique and, you know, integrate new bits of theory into my playing. I mean, it's probably just laziness on my part and not having a good regime to go, actually, that is what you need to build in to your practice time, not just learning new songs for a gig or not just playing over backing tracks because, you know, it's fun because you're not really practicing or learning anything new. You're just you're just playing and calling it practice. So I think, um, what about you, man? Do you have a practice regime? Do you, you know, or is it just learning new, new, no, new stuff for, I, I, for I a don't gig? I don't have a practice regime at all. What I should have is I should define some goals, at least, because not being a professional guitarist, not being somebody whose job it is to play guitar, and therefore that's not my career. It's something I do outside of my professional life. I have a day job that pays the bills, and that's what I spend eight hours a day doing. But I do want to get better at guitar, and I can't afford to spend time with a defined practice regime every day. So what I should do at least is define some goals that I want to get to that I can as and when spend time trying to get to. Because if I just sit down and play guitar and just jam and then don't do anything, I'm not achieving anything really. First rule of practicing really should be don't practice what you know, practice what you don't know. That's that's the key, right? You, you want to get better if you're practicing. So you should be practicing things that you aren't proficient at yet. So I think if you're if you're a professional guitarist, that's your bread and butter. You've probably already got a practice regime. You probably already have a couple of hours or even more, four, four or five hours a day that you spend on ear training and, you know, things like that and music theory, learning things, scales, um, application, musicality, all kinds of things. And if you're not a professional guitarist and you probably only spend 10 minutes a day playing, at least have a goal in mind that you change periodically to, and, and that's what I try and do. I try and think of things. And, and often for me, it's it's not related to something that's theoretical or it's kind of a, a function like a scale, like I'm going to learn a scale, I'm going to practice a technique. For me, it's this is something I, I enjoy that I can't play, like it might be a, a particular song or a particular solo or something like that. I'm going to try and learn how to play that. Because historically for me, when I was younger, my technique got better vicariously through learning something else, right? 
you know, you tend to assimilate things into your playing and into your style by learning other things. And I, I sent you that video the other day of me listening to that Huey Lewis and the News song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was back you sent me a time. video going, yeah, check out the solo it's for this. Song. And, and uh, oh, it's, a, it's a great solo. It's, it's just, it's yeah. a song I've known for years. It's, it's sort of, if you're listening, go and check out um, the song Back in Time by Huey Lewis and the News. Obviously, it's from the Back to the Future soundtrack, but it's got a guitar solo in it that is just... It's just a beautiful guitar solo, melodic. It's actually it's actually a brilliant example of using the Mixolydian scale and playing over the chord changes because it's just the chord changes are just basically D and C. Okay, so that's classic D Mixolydian, and the whole so the whole guitar solo you actually realise as he's playing he's playing the chord notes. But regardless, it's just a great guitar. So I, I sat down and learned that. There's definitely parts of that solo that is new to me even after all this time so it's something i'll assimilate like i said into my playing of moving between scales and moving between positions so that's how i like to practice i like to take things that move me and try and learn how to do them even if it's simple it doesn't have to be something that's out of my reach technique wise just something i've not played before and it's all it's all vocabulary that you pick up so i don't have a regime to answer your question but i like to have goals that I set periodically for things that I want to learn as a byproduct of that is that it improves, improves my playing and my technique. I think you mentioned something really interesting and important in there, though, because I, I agree with you, right? I don't generally set myself practice goals or, or a practice regime, but I'll be playing guitar for anywhere between, you know, 10 and 60 minutes a day, if I can slot it in, right? And there'll be some days where I, where, where I don't play because work's busy or whatever. And um, obviously with COVID at the moment, we're not gigging and things like that. So, so it's a bit of a struggle. But the thing that you mentioned that was quite uh, important, I think, and not to be overlooked is if you've heard something and you think, oh, I really want to learn that and I really want to, to kind of play that, great. That's that's a that's a brilliant way to sit down and start practicing that particular piece or that particular excerpt that you want to learn. But what you mentioned was, uh, and this is the bit that I need to challenge myself with more because my my theory is not at the the, the best level, right? And and I've been lazy with it over the years. But but you kind of talked about the mixolydian mode within that solo, right? If you can stretch yourself to not just learn the piece or the or the or the solo or whatever it is that that you want to do to assimilate it into your playing and to get that technique and and some of those licks into your kind of library, but also challenge yourself to understand some of the theory behind that piece so that you can reapply it in different positions or in different keys or just kind of have a better understanding of why it sounds the way it does. Because then you're practicing not just kind of your, your finger memory around licks or, you know, a new technique, be it, you know, whatever's in that solo that, you know, appeals to you technique-wise to replicate. You're also then building in your theory knowledge. And that's the bit that I find a bit challenging, honestly, because I haven't got that that basis of of music theory, you know, under my belt. You know, do you think about the the, the music theory while you're learning these new bits or new pieces or or doing that kind of practice, as you as you call it? It depends. I I do think it's important to have an understanding of theory, but it depends on what you want to achieve as a musician. I mean, the thing about learning guitar is that you don't need to understand theory to learn it. You know, we've all proved that. We both got to a point where we were proficient in our instruments before we understood anything about theory. But there's a reason why things sound good and there's a reason why some things sound bad, right? If you play a G chord followed by a C chord, how many songs have you ever played in your life? A G, C and D? <laughs> Hundreds. 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 Why is it 
that some chords always sound good together and some chords always sound bad together? Why is it that why is it that I can I can't play you know or why why can't I play something like a flat minor pentatonic over an E minor song? Doesn't sound right, you know. We know we know what to play over certain songs and keys, and we know where those scale positions are. But it does help you to understand why those things sound good and why some things sound bad. Right? It's not, it's not, you know, quantum physics. It's not some kind of um, difficult realm of, of of you know science to understand why these things. And I think it's good. You know, as any a musician of any instrument, if you know if you can play it, if you can learn a little bit more about why some things sound good, then you just all you're doing is just arming yourself with more information. It doesn't really change your playing. I mean, I still commit myself to pentatonic shenanigans on any song that I ever play. Right? <laughs> if I'm going to solo, it's not like suddenly I've learned theory and all of a sudden my left hand knows where all the notes. Are. That's not the point. The the point is. Um, that I have an un- a better understanding as to why things sound good. And and that does mean that you can understand things that you hear better. Here's a simple one. An old blues track, right? You know the song Stormy Monday. Oh, yeah. Really yeah, old slow blues. There's a turnaround in that old song. It's not a standard blues turnaround. It's like if you're playing it in C, there's this minor chord thing that happens that goes up and down. From the C, it goes up to D minor, then E minor and then E-flat minor, and then D minor again. So if you're playing C minor or C major pentatonic over that song, at some point during that turnaround, those scales aren't going to work. They're going to sound wrong. So if you don't have an understanding of what will sound right over certain chords in that song, you're going to get stuck for ideas when you're playing. So that's when music theory is helpful, when you have to approach a song that needs you to change what you're playing with the changes, you know. That's all jazz is. That's all jazz is. And when you listen to somebody who's like a quite a sophisticated player like Robin Ford or Matt Schofield, they're not doing anything fancy. They don't have people who say, how do you get that outside sound? Well, they're not actually playing outside. They're just playing with the chords, with the changes, rather than sticking to a scale for the the total of the song, you know. So that's where music theory helps, I think. And I think, and, and, I, and, and when I hear you talk about it like that, it sounds... Um it sounds, you know, really nice and simplistic. And, and you said it's not rocket science. And, and I agree with you. It's it's not. It's a fairly simple language, but one that does require you to learn the rules of the language and get some some grounding in it and then figure out how to how to then have fun with it and experiment with it. So so I think, you know, I, I'm as, as I push myself to understand more of it and challenge myself to understand more of it, you know, there are little light bulb moments and things that happen. And as long as I steer clear of, of watching too many Steve Lukather videos where he describes a music theory and what he's playing because he 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 really does make it sound like quantum physics because he's he's just so he's just it's like so innately ingrained into his way of thinking that you know you're just expected to keep pace with his his knowledge I mean it's 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 quite phenomenal but I guess my my issue and my challenges is like so you say we're talking about those chord changes over that song that you described I know relative to where I'm playing how I need to move my hands because I my ear is good I've, I've I've built my my kind of musicality uh, and and kind of had to compensate for my lack of theory by understanding how the the the, the, the my kind of tone and uh, uh, kind of what I'm playing changes relative to where I am on the neck. So I know how to play over those chord changes, but do I know exactly what I'm doing and what I'm playing to make it sound right over those chord changes? No. And that's the bit that I'm trying to now unpick and demystify so I really understand what it is I'm doing more 
consciously competent rather than kind of being unconsciously competent if that makes yeah. sense yes. i can play over that song and i and, and i and i won't hit a bum note but i don't know why i'm not hitting a bum note i just know i need to uh play in a certain way with certain shapes and certain phrases so it's 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 that is it's kind of i want to understand it more that's that's the best approach to take. Music theory isn't suddenly going to make you change how you play. It's got, having a better understanding of it is going to explain things you already know a little bit better, right? That's the difference. There are things that you know, like you said, because you're you're bound by the shapes that you're playing. You know where on the neck to play when you're in a certain key. You don't necessarily know why all those things work. You, you're still going to play the same way if you learn a little bit of theory, but you're just going to understand a bit better why. And hey, sometimes. Like I said, that'll creep in to your playing in a way that you go, well, this should work then, right? Like, for example, did you know you could, if you're playing in an E, in e minor, B, would you ever play B minor pentatonic over E minor? No. All the notes in B minor pentatonic are notes from the E minor scale as well. They, they share the same notes. So you could play B minor pentatonic, all your B minor pentatonic shapes, you can play them over E minor as well if you want to. It's going to add in slightly different notes. You're not going to have a minor third in there. You're going to have a ninth instead. So it's going to sound a little bit more suspended. But the B is the fifth in E minor. The minor third in B is D, which is the minor seventh in E. They, they all fit. So having an understanding of theory allows you to sometimes go, actually, I can use this scale as well. I can substitute certain things. A minor as well has got a lot of shared notes with E minor. You could use A minor. So now instead of just playing all your E minor boxes, you can play E minor, A minor, B minor. Yeah, see, that's the level of knowledge that I want to get to because I'm making up that I don't know anything. I, I know... I know the basics in terms of my major minor scales, particularly my pentatonics in a, a few different positions across the neck and, you know, some you know, harmonic minor stuff because I love Santana stuff and, and uh, kind of some sort of Phrygian shapes that I've kind of figured out and how to play. But again, kind of more by by finger memory uh, rather than a deep grounded knowledge in theory. But now I'm on the verge of really... I mean, that that basic level or kind of semi-basic level of, of, of knowledge to, to, to kind of slightly intermediate knowledge has served me so well for, for like 90% of situations that I've been in gigging in a variety of different kind of bands and styles and songs. It's very easy to get comfortable with that level of knowledge, but then... You know, that's the bit that I'm kind of regretting now is not investing enough time earlier on to really unpick that. So now, while I'm really trying to push my playing and get into modes properly and really understand how to hit all of those chord tones properly and and, and exert different moods and different things just by really hitting um, notes, uh, choices in a way that's deliberate rather than a happy accident. That's the bit where that kind of knowledge that you're talking about, I think, would really, really help. So I've got to try and figure out a way to build that into my practice regime so I understand um you know when I'm learning a piece what what am I actually learning what you know do I understand do I understand the root you know kind of uh basics behind why that sounds good um but it's yeah it's not easy uh, to, to learn as you get older and more stayed in your ways I think 
I think yeah. so too. And, and my approach would always be don't approach it from the way you would apply it. So let's say you're trying to learn. You just mentioned the modes, okay? Let's say you, you're looking at the modes in the major scale and you, you're thinking about Dorian, for example. You know, and some guitarists would think, right, well, I need to learn the Dorian scale. So I'm going to look at search online and you'll see you can find 10 different versions of the Dorian scale, three notes per string, two notes per string. And you think, oh, I can't learn all of these scales. Forget that, right? The best way to approach it, if you're just learning it in terms of the sound, is to understand the sound of the Dorian scale, right? Which is, you know you know what a major scale is, right? Everybody mm-hmm. knows a major scale. Even yeah. if you're not a musician, yeah. it's do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, right? That's, if you can sing that from the, you know, from the song, that's a major scale. So all the mode of a major scale is, is the same, it's that major scale starting from a different degree, okay? So if you start from do and go to do, that's your major scale. If you start from... Ray and go to Ray, that's your Dorian mode of the major scale. That's all the mode of a scale. It's just starting the major scale from a different degree. And if you do that, they have a different sound. So the best thing to do, I find, when I'm practising modes, is I just want to really feel what each one sounds like. A Dorian mode is it's a minor scale because it has a minor third and it has a flat seventh, Right but it has a major sixth. That's the Dorian sound. If you think of a think of a song that's got a Dorian feel to it, I'd say Vultures by John Mayer is definitely a Dorian song. Right? If you can think of a song or a solo that, you know, that, that uses that mode, or if you listen to a song and you realise it does use that mode, that's a really good starting point because you've got to be able to understand how it's applied and how it sounds and how it makes you feel. And often for most modes, there's one or two notes that really define the sound of that mode, right? So it's not like you need to understand the whole thing. You already know how to play the pentatonic scale, right? The pentatonic scale is five of the seven notes from the major scale. So it's not a big stretch for you to add two more notes to turn that into a major scale. And if you know the major scale, you can play all the modes. You just need to start from a different note than the first one. So there you go. You see, Kieran, you already know all the modes. The difference is you need to understand how... They sound of them by themselves, and why you would use them. That's the theory part. So it's, exactly, it's a exactly. level of understanding. It's not technique you have to work on. That's my. That would be my advice to anybody who wants to approach modes or understanding different scales and different sounds. Is just learn what it is that makes them sound a particular way. Dorian mode, it's that major sixth. Phrygian, it's the flat ninth. So you know the fact that you go from the root to the next semitone that spanish kind of sound mm, the lydian mode is the sharp four you know which is very spacey sounding that's it it's just the major scale but instead of a perfect fourth it's a sharp fourth and i know i'm using some terms here that might be unfamiliar but again that's a another thing i would recommend to anybody who wants to learn theory is just learn to understand the structure of a major scale you know what a semitone is what a tone is or a half step or a full step if you're you know over in the us and learn to understand the, you know, the interval structure of a major scale, which is full step, full step, half step, full step, full step, full step, half step. If you start anywhere on the guitar and follow that interval structure, you'll play a major scale. So if you learn that and you understand that we number each note in a major scale, that's what I mean when I say sixth, you know, or a yeah, third oh, yeah, yeah, or a yeah, seventh. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. that number of note in that structure for the scale. So there's a little kind of work to do understanding how a, how a major scale is built and the terms. But if you understand that, you can very quickly learn how certain things sound when you play them. And then it's just a case of figuring out how you would use them. And the other thing is to look at things you already know. Like I said about that Huey Lewis song, that's quite a 
a simple song. It's just D and C. And you could learn that guitar solo and think, oh, it's nice and simple. But actually, after the fact, if you learn the Mixolydian mode, you'll go, oh, that song, it's just a Mixolydian. I mean, literally, the first phrase of that song, you listen to that guitar solo again, the first phrase is just down and up the Mixolydian scale again. You don't have to you know, expand your capabilities as a guitarist. You can just learn a few things. And then all of a sudden, your understanding of things you already know expands. And that will improve choices you make going forward. So sorry to interrupt this super interesting conversation. However, if you've made it this far, you should probably subscribe to the Guitar Smarts podcast. You can do that in your favourite podcast app. Go and do that now and then come back to the show. Let's get back to it. I spoke to you a little bit about this a a few months ago around um, just wanting to get to grips more with the modes and the major scales. And you gave me some great advice back then as well around how to just kind of get used to the different sounds that each of these modes have and, and and just feel more competent with the major scale. So I've been doing a bit more practice with that now. So, you know, when I plug in a guitar, uh, the temptation to just stick on a, a blues backing track or any kind of backing track from YouTube and just and just rinse over it just for the, for the sake of getting out some frustrations. I'm also just uh, trying to temper with, okay, well, let's, if I'm going to do that, let's put on a backing track and let's really just try and not go into kind of pentatonic uh kind of uh, comfort zones and let let's really start to 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 play around with major scales and and be comfortable making some mistakes and some bum notes in order to figure out what works and what doesn't and to get used to the kind of uh shapes and sounds to me because because the pentatonic shapes across quite a few different positions on the neck are so ingrained in my fingers. And so mm, my fingers me. just want, they just want to play that all the time. So I, I have to think more uh, like consciously about what I'm playing in with when I'm trying to then use kind of different major scale and minor scale uh, shapes. They're, 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 it's not got to the point where they're all seamlessly integrated with each other and, and, and let alone into different kind of um, kind of modes and things like that, or, or at least that I'm consciously doing. So um, so goal setting is, is, is really good. And you know what? I think that's one of the things that lockdown has been beneficial for in terms of at least some of my guitar practicing is I, I'm not commuting to the office every day. Right. So I've gained back a little bit of time. And whilst that time's easily absorbed with like family and and kids uh, kind of, you know, homeschooling and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I also set myself at the beginning of lockdown some goals around songs that I wanted to learn that I've either been blagging or bluffing my way through for, for gigs. Uh, songs that I just always wanted to learn, but thought, you know what, that's going to take some time to sit down and really understand it. And also some goals around kind of music theory and really just getting getting more comfortable with the major scale, but more importantly, what the major scale then opens up in terms of flexibility of playing and and kind of you know a variety to my playing beyond kind of pentatonic stuff. So, so I think that's shown me actually in terms of practice regime that just setting little goals every day or every month actually does help and is still really beneficial to do even if you're a seasoned player having you know for, of many years. There's always something new that you need to learn and build in and just just set yourself a goal for the week and and. Um, and don't get kind of overwhelmed by the by the stuff that there still is to learn. There's always stuff to learn. You know, even the, the seasoned pros are still learning stuff all the time. So you ne- you'll never get to the end of that journey. Just just pick a pick a pick a goal for the week uh, that's that's realistic and, and 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 aim for that and and have fun with it and feel accomplished if you achieve that. You know, completely agree. You just and you just hit the nail on the head though. You you said 
make it achievable. You know, that's the biggest thing. Set a goal that is achievable. Don't say, I want to learn how to play jazz. I mean, well, first of all, that's too <laughs> abstract, right? And, and, and it, you don't know what, that's not really an, uh, an achievement. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to say anybody who can play jazz, you've not achieved anything. What I'm saying is it's not defined. If you choose something that is well-defined, like, for example, I want to learn how to play a particular song, or I want to teach myself how to play a solo that I like, I want to get my playing up to a particular BPM when I'm doing rhythm playing, that's well-defined and it's achievable for you. But also something that I think is important is choose a goal that you know is going to make you feel really good, right? If I say I want to learn the major scale all the way up and down the neck in all the different boxes and positions that I can by the end of this week, I know I can do that. That's achievable. Yeah. Am I yeah. going to be happy when I've done it? I'm probably going to be really fed up from sick of doing scales all week, right? But if I say to myself, and this is actually on my list, I want to learn the outro solo to Rosanna by Toto, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. The jam solo that they yeah, do at the end yeah, of the song. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. that's achievable. Two, I'm going to feel great when I can play oh, that. Oh, you're going to feel so good. Killer, right? <laughs> and then after I've learned it, then I can decide to go, well, you know, I'm going to look at what he's playing there and try and understand why he's chosen something. And I think that's the best approach. If you're not a pro guitarist and you don't already have this information, and in particular, if you've already spent a long time in your life getting proficient at playing guitar, I think that's the best way to approach practice and theory, which is practice things that move you and that you actually want to achieve and try and learn the why and the understanding of it afterwards certainly that's the way i get the most out of playing guitar now at home that's a really that's really good advice matt it's really good advice and and i and i really like the way you, you talked about making yourself feel good at the end of it because you you would genuinely feel like you've accomplished more having learned that solo um versus just 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 spending all the time on theory so it is it is a balance isn't it and and i think that's that's important in the goal setting as well make sure it's make sure it's fun and make sure it's got a right mix of a little bit of theory a little bit of ear training um but but probably most importantly and 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 most practically learning something that you're going to just enjoy playing and and repeating playing because you've you kind of wanted to learn that that song so i think that's i think that's really good advice um now let's kind of think about where where to go if we've if we've kind of set some goals or we want to kind of you know dabble with a bit of music theory a bit of ear training a bit of technique or just just learning a song because for me when I had a really disciplined practice regime or maybe it wasn't disciplined maybe I just had more disposable time and uh, you know it was younger and on on a on a hungrier journey to get to a, a level of competence with playing it was tab books from the local music shop if if I could afford them they were pretty expensive um, maybe uh, uh, the kind of monthly guitar magazines that I still like to buy occasionally now as opposed to to, to every month I used to kind of devour them and, and you know they'd come with a technique CD in there that you could learn a few bits and pieces on and everything it was a nice kind of digestible way to learn but now now we've got the internet as well and there's some great people kind of teaching stuff online who i've learned uh, a whole heap from how is how is your kind of source of inspiration or, or kind of mentoring with with guitar changed over the years do you just do everything by by listening to now to the to the track on spotify and just breaking it down in your in your own head what, what do you do yeah it's a good question that i it depends on what it is so like for example we just spoke about that rosanna song that rosanna solo at the end of the song so if you've never heard the song rosanna by tonto first of all the the guitar solo in the middle of the song is superb but the jam at the end of the full album version 
The guitar solo is ridiculous. Okay, um, it's fantastic. I don't think I'll be able to play the, the very end parts, but there's this one particular run. If you know the song, you'll know the one particular run he does at the end guitar solo. For that, I'll probably try and find a video of somebody breaking it down on YouTube bit by bit, and I'll try and follow it and just learn it and build it up by that. I'll, I'll, so basically, I need a teacher for that, okay? I want somebody in the video form to teach me how to do it. Some of the things, if they're, if they're relatively simple, I'll learn them by ear because I like that process. And um, I was like that when I was younger. When I was learning guitar, I, I always had this thing in my mind that was always like, well, all the notes that he's playing are on my guitar too. I just need to find them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I always had this attitude of what key is this song in? I'd start at E, I got E, F, F sharp, G, and you'd finally go, oh, it's in that key. So now I know the key, right? So I know my pentatonic shapes. I had this very kind of trial and error approach to learning a song. But over the course of, say, a weekend when I was 14... By the end of the weekend, I'd, I'd be able to play a lot more of the song than I could at the beginning, and you felt good about it. So it's that gratification again. Um, but I still do that now. I still, if I've got to learn a song for a wedding, I won't just pull up a tab for it or something like that. I, I know my own abilities, so if the song falls within my own ability to play and, and it's a, a you know a normal song with normal chords from the major scale, you know, then I'll just listen to it and figure it out because... It's more gratifying. Yeah, I do the same. I do the same. I, I agree with you. It's more gratifying. But but what it also does, right, is there's different ways to, to, to play it. Now, I always like to have a go at figuring out, for me, how I would play it based on hearing it and then what, and then trying to translate what I'm hearing into how I would play it and the, and the positioning and shapes that I would use. Now, invariably, it gets it, you know, 80 90% there. And then if I get a little bit stuck, then I might look up on YouTube how somebody's playing it or I might look at the tab or something like that and figure out, or I might just pull up a live video if I can find one of the, of the artists playing it and go, well, how are they playing it? And sometimes I'll look at all those sources and go, ah, oh, all right, okay, they're playing it like that. And, and then I'll go, okay, well, that's great. That's a shortcut now for me because then I'll just try and replicate that. So that, that works about 50% of the time if I'm, if I'm stuck on a bit. The other 50% of the time I go, that's just not a natural way for me to play that. So now I've got to figure out, now I've got to be comfortable either practicing to play it like that and sit and figuring out if it's if that's going to be a valid way for me to improve my technique or just that's the only way to get it to sound you know as as good as I want it to sound to the to the original or I also ha have fun going well you know what I'm just going to play I'm going to play those same notes and try and get that same sound but I'm going to play it in a, in a different way on the neck um, because that feels more natural to me with my own kind of um, stretches and, you know, uh, kind of patterns and things that I'm familiar with. So I think there's a lot to be said for trying to trying to, to listen first, try and figure it out first for yourself and then using some of those sources and then also just being comfortable kind of tweaking it to your own particular taste. And that, that, I'm not saying kind of rewrite the song or the or the or the piece just to fudge your way through it, but to play it in a, in a way that feels feels comfortable to you. Absolutely. And that is actually a really good point. And I think that's a benefit, actually, of learning by ear, because you you learn to play something in a way that you're comfortable rather than, you know, you look at a tab or you look at somebody saying, well, this is how it was played. And you try and figure out and you think, well, that's outside. Like for me, for example, I don't really use my little finger when I play because I can't straighten my little finger. I've, I've got a slightly deformed little finger on my fretting hand. I've never, I've never been, able to, never been able to straighten my little finger. That's me as hard as I try. 
straightening my little finger. I you're showing me now on the video. You're, you're, I've never noticed that. I mean, but that's a fairly common thing, right, with a lot of guitarists who are particularly lazy on their fretting hand with the little finger, and that's a exactly. kind of discipline to go, come on. I, I grew up, um, you know, worshipping Clapton and watching Clapton play. He's very much a, you know, first, second and third finger guitarist, right? Very rarely uses. So I, I'm watching videos of his technique and doing the same thing he does. So I, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, trying to learn and people say, right, you know, using your pinky finger here. And I'm just like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not playing it the way you're playing it. So I'm going to, I might watch a video to understand the notes of something, you know, just to quickly get the melody of something in my head. And then I'll find my own way of doing it that I'm more comfortable with. But but like I said, the advantage of learning by ear and not by eye or through, uh, by eye I mean for a video or a tab, is that you'll be able to get to the point of playing something your own way. And that's then, that's what I mean about assimilating things into your own sound and your own technique. You know, you're now, you're now affecting your own technique and your own methods of playing. And that will come out when you improvise later on down the line. Exactly, you know? exactly. One of the challenges now for people learning is to not le- neglect their own ear training and discipline because they've got so many brilliant sources available to them um, on YouTube, you know, online courses, you know, ready access to any tab that you want through the online tab resources, that it that the temptation could be just to go to those sources and not what we had to do, which was, you know, overuse the pause button on your cd player or your tape player and the rewind function to just keep listening to the thing over and over and over and over again and then trying to figure out okay how is he moving from there to there to there to there um and we couldn't we couldn't adjust the the the, the tempo of the of the piece we couldn't slow it down and kind of you, you just had to listen and listen and and try and pick all out all those notes and and uh, it was it was a great way to 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 train your ear it was probably not the best way to really fully understand the theory behind what was going exactly. on at all i mean mid 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 90s trying to learn stevie ray vaughan you know, scuttlebutting or something like that, and you don't have a video of it on YouTube, you just think, oh, well, clearly he's an octopus, and that's why I can't play it, right? So he's got two left arms, maybe. That's what it is. That's why, you know, it's it's great. I think learning by ear is a valuable thing to do for so many reasons. It will take you longer to learn things. It'll probably be more frustrating, but... The next time you try and learn something by ear, you'll do it faster. And the time after that, it'll get faster. You're building another muscle up, which is that being able to recognise sounds, the intervals between things. Why does it, you know, how do you know that's a minor chord versus a major chord? Well, your ear is getting better at recognising those different qualities in the notes that are chosen and what, and you know, what kind of feeling they produce. And that's valuable, especially if you then go on to join a band, which is something that, you know, you mentioned in, and the kind of the agenda, which was joining a band after lockdown. If you're planning on being in a band with other musicians, you have to develop your ear because being in a band is all about listening to everyone else. It really isn't about your individual contribution to the band. It's about the whole. And, you know, you'll have a better time playing in a band if your ear is better. Do you think people read guitar magazines anymore? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. I used to, though. Um, I, I guess I don't now because I think... The thing I loved about when, when I was, you know, I was born in 82. So when I was learning guitar mid 90s as a 13 year old, whatever, um, I was buying Total Guitar magazine. Okay. And back then 
it was half full of tabs for stuff. You yeah. know, there was yeah, tabs for yeah. And there was a CD that came with it. And I, I'd get the CD home and I'd listen to everything. I'd listen to demos that people had sent in. There'd always be a couple of tracks from a new album from somebody who was interviewed. And I'd really love those tracks. And then, um, and then all the different technique lessons that are in. And there'd be like blues, rock, there'd be technique, there'd even be bass lessons, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, it'd it just be full of information. And I'd love getting that magazine every month and soaking all that information up, right? And I, so, so back then I loved guitar magazines, but there wasn't the internet really yet, okay? And there wasn't YouTube, certainly. And now guitar magazines are very much about, you know, some superb content. It's not that I, I think they're worse. It's just because that, it, cause that um, material isn't in there as much anymore for learning new things. I don't. I don't really bother reading them um, or buying them. Certainly, I think that's sad. I agree with you. I, I, I buy them <clears throat> very infrequently now, and when I do, I'm always a little bit disappointed because it doesn't have the magic that they used to when I was younger. I don't know whether that's just because they're more filled with stories and extensive reviews of of gear that I'm not really that interested in now versus some of the playing stuff. I, I don't know. I think I think it's a very difficult thing for guitar magazines to to compete with with what's available online now and very much so. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a shame, but yeah, I do still I do still buy them from from time to time and and uh, but it's more. Of sentimental value now for the, for the huge you know gratitude I have towards them in my earlier years for for really being able to open my work my my uh, eyes to a whole playing world that you know I wouldn't have otherwise been able to experience just from you know the CDs I had in, in my collections. What about guitar teaching? Is that something you've ever had in your in your in your life? Yeah, I, I started with a guitar teacher. Um, my mum and dad thought it was important. I did too. I wanted to some. I wanted somebody to be a host to good music for me as much as to teach me technique. Right, and I, I had a very good teacher at first, a guy called Chris Sagerson, who actually sadly was was murdered not long after I stopped learning with him. He was amazing. He was a he was an incredibly proficient guitarist. He had a recording set up at home. He was one of those teachers who like he would teach me you know he's like what are you into I, was like, I like eric clapton i want to learn guitar because i like the unplugged album you know me as a yeah, mu- music to a guitar teacher's ears <laughs> yeah and he's like well let's learn tears in heaven or something and he'd show you know and we spent maybe a couple of months he'd and basically every lesson he'd put another four bars into the tab for yeah right and i'd go yeah. away and it was brilliant but at the end of every lesson he was like do you want to hear me play <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he plug his plug. He's like, he had this Ibanez guitar, you know, proper shredders guitar. And actually, I guess you can't do this anymore. But he'd like he'd make he'd roll him roll himself a cigarette, and he'd have the cigarette in his mouth, and he'd be doing something like tapping everywhere and shredding. Or the next week, he might do something seriously jazzy. He was an incredible, incredible, incredibly proficient guitarist, and he was a music teacher full-time as well in the school so he was obviously very well versed in everything that you really need to know I think if you want to be a, a capable musician and I found it invaluable to me it accelerated my progress massively the things I, I made some notes about about a teacher is um, you don't need a teacher these days but it depends on what you want to do and here's the advantages right um, it'll accelerate your progress which I just mentioned it will make you get better faster because that person's going to guide you right um They'll help you to select suitable learning material as well. That, this is my biggest problem with learning online, because where do you go? How do you choose that? How do you know what to learn? 
A guitar teacher is going to help you to choose the right things to help you get better. They're going to work with you on what your goals and your desires are. So if you tell them, oh, I really like this stuff, they're going to say, well, let's learn that stuff. And like I said about my guitar teacher who used to shred at the end of a lesson, you know, that's inspiring. I'd go, I'll come away from that lesson and think, I want to play like him one day. So you want somebody to be an inspiration in your life as well as a teacher. So I think it's good to have a teacher. I completely agree with everything that you, you, you've said around, you know, having someone that can guide you through it and that can push you and that can help you with a practice regime. And I'm, a, you know, I'm thinking of getting a guitar teacher again, and I haven't had a guitar teacher for decades, right? I had one when I first started out for a couple of years. And that was, I was like, oh my God, I must have been like 12 or something. Amazing uh, flamenco classical guitarist called uh, Mr. Albert Um absolutely brilliant guy and uh yeah the end of the lessons would always end in the same way which is do you, do you want to hear me play <laughs> you know? yeah. I just, in fact every guitar teacher i've ever had and i haven't had that many it always ended in the same way and most of the time it was like yeah i do because it is quite inspiring to just hear them them play a, a little bit and so he grounded me in some really great finger style classical technique which to this day i still use and i swear it's it was just time really well spent because yeah it's given me that other element to my playing where I can just spend time on an acoustic and figure out different things quite naturally because of, of the techniques he taught me. It was it was so, so time so well spent. But then like fast forward a few years later, I've been on a journey of playing and, and I hadn't had a guitar teacher for years. I've been doing it myself, as I, as I, as I said, with like uh, kind of ear training and, and listening to songs and stuff. And, and, I, and I went to somebody to just help me break out of a rut, you know, and I said, look, I'm really trying to get into blues and I'm really trying to play like Clapton or I'm really trying to play like Stevie Ray, or I just need you to help guide me and get me out of this rut because I'm learning some of their songs and stuff, but I just need some help. I went to a great guy called Brian who used to roll his own cigarettes, play his Fender Strat, <laughs> and then rinse at the end to inspire me. I, I, they're, they're all, they're is there the some same school person. somewhere? Is, this, is there like so. some secret society where they all go to and they say, These are the things you need to do, right? Roll yourself a cigarette at the end of the lesson so you'll look cool and then shred and they'll come back. It's got to, it must be exactly. Happy. Yeah. He Definitely wasn't a shredder, but he was an, he is an incredible blues guitarist, really, really cool blues guitarist. And he, what he helped do, which I think I might need again, actually, or I'm quite interested to see if I can, if, if, what I can get from this again is like somebody to just go, actually, okay, great. Well, look, you've reached now this level of playing. Let me give you a few things to work on and open your kind of mind with so that you can, you know, then go on that next level of, of kind of learning on your own. And he did that brilliantly. I didn't have many lessons with him, probably half a dozen or so but it was enough for him to just really uh, and this was why he was such a good guitar teacher because he just locked in on a few things over six or seven lessons that would just unlock my playing and then send me on my next kind of journey that I could then go and practice on my own for a few yeah. years and gave you some direction um, Gave me some direction, gave me some pointers, kind of said, look, you know, and he was quite open. He was like, look, if you want to learn music theory inside and out and the nuances of all of this, I'm not the right person for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll guide you and give you some stuff that is going to really unlock your playing for blues in this way. And, and, that, and that was great. So I'm kind of thinking that I might want to go and do that again um, after lockdown is, is you know, it will, it'll, it would have been... 10, 15 years, maybe more since I've had a guitar teacher. But again, just book in a chunk of lessons and go, right, you know, just take me on the next, the next bit of what I need to, to, to work on. Is there anyone in particular that you gravitate towards more from the vast array of guitar vlogs and, and teachers and stuff online that you go, actually, this guy's really good and, and, and I've got stuff to learn from him or her? 
if you want to try and develop theory or things like that or understanding of music as a whole, I think Rick Beato is a really good person to to follow mm, on YouTube. I'm just getting into him now. Yeah, he's he's got some brilliant videos on even really deep theory stuff, but even some really basic things. And actually, um, he's got a couple of videos or a few videos on YouTube specifically about organising your practice time, um, which I think if you're a pro musician, the more relevant because he goes really deep into the different areas of practice that you should have. But even still, he's I find him quite a good inspiration for wanting to understand things better. Another guy who I really like is a guy called Robert Baker. Um, I don't know if oh, you've seen him, name. right? No, I don't Robert know Baker. Now, he, if you're a rock guitarist, you like shred stuff or technique stuff or just generally rocking out, he's superb, right? Long-haired guy. It's like he's been lifted out of Wayne's world, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he's a brilliant, brilliant guitarist, but a superb teacher in that he's got a really great demeanour. He's, you know, he, I feel kind of happy watching him because he's always jolly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's always like, hey, dude. And, and he's lessons are great because he's, he's got online courses that you can pay for, but his content on YouTube's great as well. Like he'll say, five licks you didn't know you could play, things like that. He's a really great teacher. So Robert Baker and Rick Beato. And then if you kind of want to eat the red pill, check out Tom Quayle. You know, he's the fusion technique, you know, god. I don't know that I don't know that name either. How do I know not Tom Quayle? He's he's Tom an incredible Quayle. guitarist. Um and yeah, I think if you're if you're an intermediate and you want to become advanced and you want to really take your technique as far as you can. He's another good guitar teacher, but there's loads of others. Martin Miller, who's great, another German guy who's who's a ridiculously good guitarist who plays with Tom Quayle quite a lot. Depends on what you want to do. Like I said, you know, it's there's lots of different people that do different things really well, so... I'm going to have to check some of those out. I mean, for me, it's people that now work at the right pace for me and also speak in a language that I can understand. And that's not, and I'm not criticizing the people that I don't understand. It's because I'm not good enough, perhaps, to keep up with their level of knowledge and the way in which they're conversing about what they're playing. So I need to, I need to educate myself better to be able to keep up with, with how they're teaching guitar. Um, cause they're, they're teaching on mass to, to, to an audience and not tailoring it for me. Right. So, so, but the, there's, there's people that I, uh, get a lot of reward and have learned a lot from on YouTube. So, uh, Paul Davids is one. Um, he, his, it just, I just like, uh, you know, he's again, he's someone that makes me happy just listening to him because he's got a really nice, uh, appealing kind of manner, but, um, and it, and he, and he's not necessarily putting himself out there as a guitar teacher, but, um, cause he covers a variety of different topics, but there's been a few different things where, he's broken down songs or um, he's kind of demystified some, some songs and things where I've gone, ah, I really like the way you're approaching how to, how that, how to better understand that song. And I'm going to learn it from you now. And there, there was one video that he's done on um, Lindsay Buckingham's kind of big love, which is one of my the, the acoustic version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the acoustic version is ridiculous. And, and actually I remember learning part of that. I don't know if I can play it now, but how does he sing over that as well? Oh, I don't how know. Is he yeah, that's the thing. That's the and thing. And playing that at the same time. It's just so. This know. is this is Lindsay Buckingham, right? This is just insanity. Insanity. I was convinced when I first heard that track. I heard it um, kind of cold, just on uh, on Spotify or something. I might have even been driving, and I wasn't. I wasn't listening like intently. I was just enjoying the song, and continue to enjoy that song um as kind of one of my driving 
you know, playlist songs and had convinced myself that it was two uh, musicians, at least, if not three, like even a couple of guitarists and a singer. Because, I, you know, this was going back a long time ago when I wasn't into Fleetwood Mac as much as I am now. And, and Lindsey Buckingham was a player and hadn't really understood what he was all about. I was just enjoying that song. And then you'd learn that it's just one guy, <laughs> an acoustic guitar, and it's live. And he's playing that. It's just, oh, I mean, it's just, he's just incredible. But uh, the way Paul Davids has broken down that song, and because I've been blagging my way through that song and just trying to learn it myself by ear to the record and and got bits of it and it was passable but it just what it wasn't still wasn't right so so you know um he really helped kind of get me better with that song which was great and then the other guy that I really like is uh I hope I pronounce his name right and forgive me if I don't but a guy called Tomo Fujita uh yes the jazz yeah absolutely (laughs) he's amazing he's probably like the best guitar teacher in the world Oh, I just you know, love I, his style and yeah, um, but he's like he's got this beautiful. I think he, I think it's called guitar wisdom, and that's exactly what it is, right? He he just it just is so comes across as so humble, so grounded, so not pretentious with guitar playing, um, but his facility on the guitar and tone and everything is just to die for he's just a guru yeah i sit and watch some of his lessons and try and take bits from it as well but yeah again he just works for me and i think i think that's probably probably one of the things to, in terms of practicing or, or utilizing a teacher or utilizing an online resource is, is through all of the noise and plethora that there are out there find someone that you you can really you know enjoy watching and listening to because that will inspire you i think to to, to practice more um, but there's loads there's loads out there and um i'm sure if we, we you know spent the time we could we could find you know hundreds more people that are that, that are inspiring guitar teachers online listeners questions who, who are our questions from this week right so our questions from this week so this is a new section that we're going to do uh each week um because the the podcast's been going for uh, for uh, you know a month and a bit or, or a couple of months now and, and we're getting an, an amazing number of people listening now which is which is really humbling that people are, are enjoying this and and i think you know over over a dozen countries now we've got listeners in which is which is brilliant so we thought what we'll do is each week we'll have a, a little section on questions that people have written in that they want to ask and there is no stupid question if someone's got a question on their mind there's going to be hundreds of people that have still got that that question as well so please please write in via our uh, facebook or instagram and ask us some questions but our questions uh, this week have come from uh, a brilliant guitarist uh he's local uh, guitar teacher to where i am in hampshire uk uh, his name's matt and uh he has uh, come up with a, one question that's actually a question uh, of, of his own, which uh, he would like to better understand, and also one question that gets frequently asked by his his guitar pupils. So the so the question for himself is about guitar amp attenuators because he has lovingly restored uh, we'll get him on the show to to talk one day because he's he's you know he's a brilliant guy to chat to about guitar but he lovingly restored a i think it's a 1974 fender bassman head um that he found that he found in a skip <laughs> 
<laughs> like, how do you find a 74 fender bass? I, I, I must be rooting through all the wrong skips, mate. I never find them. <laughs> we'll get him, we'll get him on to tell the story. But anyway, he's restored it. He sent me a video of him playing it the other day with his with his beautiful Fender Strat. And oh my god, the tone. The tone is just to die for. It is that tone. It's just stunning. But by his own admission, it's pretty loud, right? It's pretty loud. Uh and um so he's he he asked me the question, look. Uh, I, I'm thinking about putting an attenuator in the mix somewhere. How do I do that? How do I connect it? And I don't, I don't have a huge experience with using attenuators myself. I've got a, a little mod that I plug into my kind of hot rod deluxe Fender style uh, amp. It's actually a blues blues deluxe, which kind of helps add a master volume and, and kind of uh, allows me to drive the amp a little bit harder, but at, at more reasonable volumes. But attenuators are something something different, right? So do you do you know a bit more about um, attenuators and, and and how he could get his Fender bassman a little bit more tamed? Absolutely, yeah. So, so an attenuator is a device that you put between your amplifier's output section and your speaker, right? So, what what you're trying to do is you might have a guitar amp that either doesn't have a master volume, like the Blues Deluxe that you're talking about, that you've got. That's channel one on yours is a clean channel that doesn't have a master volume because you've got an effects loop. You can put a volume pot effectively on a that's in a box on your effects that's loop it. to attenuate your signal from your preamp into your power amp. Okay, but an attenuator that's exactly what I've got. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, and an attenuator is something different. It doesn't go between the preamp and the power amp stage. It goes between your power amp and your speaker. And all it's doing is it, is it allows your power amp and your preamp to work as hot as they would to get that great sound, but it allows you to reduce the amount of signal that your speaker gets without the power amp getting frustrated with the impedance or the resistance of the load that it's seeing on its output. So that's what an attenuator does. It it just reduces the volume of your speaker um, by you know in, in a certain electrical way. We all know as guitarists with good valve amps, they sound best when they're you know working quite hot. There's a couple of a couple of different products you can get. There's resistive load attenuators and there's reactive load attenuators. So if you think of something like um, THD's hot plate, you see quite a lot. They're resistive loads. Okay, so they have a fixed resistance that your power amp sees and that's how it reduces the volume so basically some of the power amp load goes across the attenuator and what's left goes to the speaker so you get the same sound but a less less signal um, but a reactive load does what a speaker actually does so a speaker's resistance will change as it moves because it's a it's got an impedance rather than a resistance because it's a moving coil so a, resi- a reactive load um, like the John Sir that his reactive load attenuator does that. It changes its resistance and you get a more natural sound, more natural attenuated sound. So the last thing to mention, there are a couple of hybrid systems on the market, like the Boss Tube Amp Expander and also Universal Audio's Oxbox, which you probably see quite I've a lot. I've heard of the Oxbox. the Oxbox. Yeah, a lot of people are using the yeah. Oxbox at the moment. Right? So they're hybrid systems. So they do the attenuating in a reactive way, but they also have digital technology built in. So, for example, the Oxbox, you can add things like digital delay or room sounds as well to it, as well as do attenuation. The Boss version's got its own power amp built in. If you want, you can attenuate your signal from your power amp, and then it's got an effects loop built into it. So if you've got an amp that doesn't have an effects loop, you can use that to add an effects loop after your power amp stage, and then use the internal power amp to it to power a speaker. So so that's that's those are the different options you've got for attenuators, but... To answer the question, how do you use it? Well, it's a device you put between your amp and your speaker. 
Brilliant, Matt. What a comprehensive answer. Thanks, mate. I'll um, I'll pass that on to other Matt. Uh, well, he's a regular he's a regular listener of the podcast, Excellent. so um, Hi, but there's Matt. a few different things. For Thanks him, the question. So. <laughs> <laughs> a few things uh, for Matt to think of, and then a very quick one, <clears throat> uh, which was the question uh, most uh, commonly asked by his pupils. So. Um, I'll take this one. It was a, it's a guitar tech uh, question, really. He, he often gets pupils where they've got a loose jack socket uh, nut. You know, we're all used to, to that over time, you know, particularly on the, on the S-style type guitars where um, the nut uh, that's just on the, on the jack socket there starts to come a, a little bit loose, right? And then as you're putting in your, your, your jack plug, you can, you can kind of feel it wobbling around, right? And he says a lot of his ki- kids come to him in, in their guitar lessons and they're like, oh, you know, how do I tighten it? Just tighten it up and um with their fingers or with a spanner or, or what have you and he says oftentimes some of them come and they go uh, i've tightened this and my guitar's not working anymore he's like what's the best way to tighten this up because um sometimes they just keep coming loose um uh, because they just keep tightening with their fingers or sometimes they they, they just break the um the, the the wiring and so it's a really simple one particularly on those s style guitars um is to just take off those two little grub screws that are holding the jack plate on and um, that will lift the entire uh, kind of jack plug socket uh, with the uh, surround out of the, the guitar. And then all you've got to do is hold on to the, the, the socket at the rear um, where it would normally be in the body and then tighten the nut from the outside. I mean, it, it's pretty pretty common sense stuff, but um, if you're new to guitar playing and um, you just see a loose nut, the temptation is just to, to, to get a spanner or just keep tightening it with your fingers. But what people don't often appreciate is that in doing that, what you can actually be doing is twisting the the, the soldered jack plug behind that surround uh, mount that's on the body. And, and then, then eventually it'll just snap it away. Okay. It just shears off the, the wires. It's a really simple fix for, for any uh, for anybody in ter- that's got a soldering iron if that happens. So it's not the end of the world. But... Um, uh, he said, you know, if you could, if you could just let people know, particularly, you know, the younger people that listen, you know, that the best way to, to, to tighten that up is, you know, uh, uh, f- five minutes in just unscrewing that and tightening it up properly by removing it from the guitar body, holding onto the back of the, the um, uh, plug socket itself, the jack plug socket, and tightening the front nut onto the surround and then dropping it back in and, and reattaching those grub screws. The five, 10 minutes that it takes you to do that will save you a lot more hassle down the line from it, you know, continuously coming loose or um, at worst, you know, you accidentally shear off the, the ground wire or, or the live wire behind there um, because uh, you've done it in a, in a rush. So that's that's the answer to that little uh, question. Great answer and great questions. Thank you, Matt. Well, there we go. We've talked about practice, about learning, about things that we're going to do. So just to quickly wrap up, what's your goal for the week, Karen? Yeah, a good question. So my goal for the week, mate, is um, to spend a little bit more time on on modes and really understanding those major scales and how to, to, to start, you know, becoming more familiar with how those different kind of modes sound over what I'm playing and but to do it in a fun way and I'm not just going to sit there and practice modes day in day out I'm going to do a little bit of that and I'm going to I'm going to try and apply the most and scale choices to songs that I know and love and understand how those sound in the context of those songs I think that's some really good advice you've given me uh, there to to go away and 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 focus on Uh, and then I'm also going to set a goal around just learning 
a song that makes me happy and fills me with a sense of accomplishment once I've learned it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find find something like that and and uh, and, and just go for it. Something something from Clapton's back catalogue, I think, this week because I'm, I'm I'm rediscovering from the cradle. So I'm gonna go and gonna, gonna shamelessly learn some Clapton Clapton licks that I don't don't know yet because um, that will make me happy at the end of the week. And uh, and what, what what about you? What's your practice goal for this? Oh well, this I've, week? I've 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 got this. I, I've been realising that there is a whole catalogue of guitar solos out there that are underrated and underappreciated. Number one was obviously that Huey Lewis and the News one I was telling you about earlier on, back in time. Um, So I want to go back and learn a few of those. Um, Some of them you'll think, what the hell are you trying to listen to? So Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie. Oh, I love Lionel Richie. I love Lionel Richie. You think, why are you learning that song? Go and listen to that guitar solo. It's It's a fantastic guitar solo. Tears for Fears, Everyone Wants to Rule the World. Great guitar solos in that. And the outro solo to Rosanna by Toto. I, I need to learn that. So those are my things. I, I just purely want to learn things that I love listening to this week. Um, I'm going to forget about technique or scales or, or theory of things. I just want to I just want to learn some things that make me feel good when I play them. Yeah, absolutely, mate. What what a great goal for this week. My my ears are still reeling with the with the comment you made earlier, which is uh, uh, to our listeners that if they hadn't if they haven't heard the outro solo to Rosanna, they need to go away and listen to that. I, I think they're in the wrong place if they haven't if they if they haven't heard the outro solo to Rosanna. But let's give everyone the opportunity to go away this week and and set that as a goal for themselves, uh, and not necessarily to learn it. But if you haven't heard the outro solo by Steve Lukather to to Rosanna, go and listen to it. It's 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 a Every single person, even if somebody stumbled across this by mistake, you've heard Steve Lukather play guitar. He's probably the most prolific <laughs> session guitarist of all time. You've heard him play guitar. Go and listen to him play the solo or the outro of Toto, and we'll speak to you next week. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, buddy. Lovely catching up with you this week on All Things Practicing. Um, yeah, well, let's see how we get on this week and uh, speak to you next week, mate. Um, yeah, great, great chat today. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Have a cracking week. I'll speak to you next week. Cheers, Matt. All the Bye. best, Kieran. Ta-da. Well, that was another super fun conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it. Remember to come over to our social media pages, tell us what you think, um, ask us some questions, come and say hello, anything at all. Share some information with us, give us ideas for podcasts that you'd like to hear and subjects that you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. And uh, brilliant. Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll speak to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.